I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My Song Suck would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and community. We pay our respects to them and their cultures and to the elders both past and present. Hello and welcome to My Songs Suck, the show where we listen to bad songs from good writers. I'm Alex Smith and I'm a musician. I'm James Keogh and I'm the friend of a musician. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Songs Suck. We're in season three. Can you believe it? I'm James Keogh. I'm Alex Smith. And today we are joined uh, by a fantastic guest. She is a brilliant singer-songwriter and cellist whose previous works include uh, her 2017 EP, By the Stars, and her recently released single, It Works, from her forthcoming debut album. It's Monique Claire. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's very good to have you. I've been waiting a while to have you on the show. I'm very excited to, to have you. We sort of know each other from, from way back, but it's, it's good to have you, have you here. Thanks. Yeah, it took a pandemic, hey. It did, it did, <laughs> as many things do. How are you going? How's, how's everything? Um, I am doing okay. I'm hanging in there. I was up really, really late last night recording in studio. Um, we were recording up until 1am and I got home by 2am. And um, <laughs> it's just great because the previous day I was up at 3.45am to do a sunrise beach concert. Oh, wow. With a group of people. Uh, and then spent the rest of the morning sleeping. So I think my body feels like I am jet lagged. I have no idea <laughs> what's going on. We'll try not to like make it too much of a high octane like <laughs> podcast. You know, there's no physical activity in this podcast, we promise. Oh, cool. Yeah. Unlike all the other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. you know, they're doing jumping jacks and stuff. You've brought a, a song to us today. I mean, we don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> but, uh, I'm curious as to why you brought the song because obviously the show is My Song Suck and it's always interesting finding out why the artist thinks that the song sucks. I think it's a, a banger. But uh, do you have anything that you'd like to say about it before we listen? <laughs> that is um, very generous of you. This is the first song I ever wrote. And I guess you, you should put the word song in inverted commas because it's um, quotation marks because I at this point in my life, I was not writing lyrics because I believed that I sucked at the English language and I didn't know <laughs> words well enough to write lyrics. So this is me at 15, secretly trying to write kind of pop rock music. I was studying cello. I was, you know, taking private classical cello lessons each week. Um, I was singing in choirs. My parents are really full on classical music. Well, they're, they're classical musicians themselves and just incredibly obsessed with classical music. So this was a real secret project of mine to kind of write songs that were fueled by pretty heavy radio head obsession at the time. And yeah, the only way that I had to 
kind of make the songs happen was by using Sibelius, which is music notation software, and writing out all the parts. I even wrote out the drum parts and then, <laughs> you know, as notation on, on a score. And then I would export it as an audio file from that. So this is going to be the audio file from Sibelius. Heck no yes. Lyrics. I was going to say, I recognized uh, up until the, the singing came in, I was like, Oh yeah, no, this sounds pretty good. And then that that wonderful Sibelius singing comes in. I was like, ah, yes, a fine vintage. There it is. Well, here we go. Straight from Sibelius. This is Ends and Excuses. At the, at the request of Monique, uh, we were told to fade out in the middle. <laughs> Reluctantly, though, it's I like it. Yeah, oh I wanted God. to keep going, you know. I wanted to spare the ears of your good listeners from that um, <laughs> MIDI voice sound. <laughs> it's wild to me that that was your first song. <laughs> what the heck? That was very... I was like, what? That was real... Good. What? What? Explain yourself. Where is the suck here? <laughs> How do you feel? Look, yeah, hearing it back now. Mm. I mean, what is really interesting to me now is that I've kind of done a 360 and almost come back to that kind of sound with the music that I've been releasing this year. Mm. And 
I think if you were listening to this episode and, and you'd never heard any of my other music before, you'd probably be under the impression that I was really into like, you know, heavy drums and these big arrangements when that just like hasn't been the case for a real, like pretty much since making that song. Oh. This has been the first time I've really come back to that sort of sound. Um, so in between then and now, I studied a classical cello degree and then I kind of threw myself headfirst into more like traditional folk and I spent three months in America just absorbing myself in that scene. Oh, and before that point, my, my friend and I had a um, like traditional folk duo mm. and then we had a sort of indie folk band and then I came out with my solo project and I released that EP that you mentioned, which was very much like just cello and singing and it was really mellow and stripped back. So having dug up that song again, it's really interesting to me that it's something that I'm coming back to now. Hmm. At I, the ripe age of 27. Yeah, I guess <laughs> it must have been a part of you at some point is the thing. Mm. Like mm. it never really stops being like a part of you. And it has big uh, Florence and the Machine vibes. I think, oh, yeah. I think the only <laughs> thing like bad quotation marks about it is just the production. I think the arrangement and the melodies... I, c I could very easily see that being polished up and being like a song. And I, I'm, I'm curious as to whether you <laughs> whether you did anything with it. I, you know, I probably won't. It's not really, it's not quirky enough for me. I really uh. like need, for me to listen to a song, unless it's just like a real banger, super catchy and just gets me in no matter what. For me to like a song, it has to have this balance between being familiar. So you kind of like... You, you get it like you mm. it's in it's within your musical language but there has to be something that's a bit left of field or quirky about it so that it kind of keeps you listening mm. um and this song to me does not have anything <laughs> like that it just sounds like i've paraphrased a green day song or something <laughs> red hot chili pepper song mm. but thank you well i liked it <laughs> oh, very much. Um, Sorry, I don't want to insult um, your taste. Oh, right. no, no, no. Um, <laughs> also, I f I've got to mention, we kind of were like, this is Monique. She's very cool. We kind of forgot to say that you've done a lot of very cool things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that we should. because uh, Of course. James, do you want to say the cool things? Know. Or should, should I say the cool things? You've Yeah, go on. Go, you've got all the cool things there. Go well, for it. Well, uh, Monique's uh, played with Kate Miller-Heidke, uh, Eminem, The Whitlam's. Uh, she's toured with Melbourne Outfit, The Maze, and now she's, of course, releasing her own dark and decadent single, It Works. And then <laughs> I was going to say, please welcome to the studio, Monique Claire, but uh, James introduced you I got you in first. there. <laughs> You've done lots of exceptionally cool things. You seem to be a, a uniquely remarkable individual. Well, like, for, like you mentioned in passing that you were in the studio till like 2 a.m. last night doing a... <laughs> what? What? How? <laughs> how, do, how do you... I don't know. <laughs> I guess, I guess to phrase these ramblings into a question would be, what does the average day look like to a successful person? Because in many people's eyes, you would be considered very successful. I know that it never feels that way from the inside, but um, I guess, do you have any secrets, any tips? Um, I mean, l lockdown has <laughs> been very interesting because I haven't really had a long stretch of time like this in a really, really long time where I've mm. been in the same place day in, day out, kind of going through the same motions. Um, and I have to say, I don't thrive on it. It's been nice for a change. Like it's actually given me time to recover from pretty hefty burnout and just doing too much 
one one thing after another. So it's been good for that, but it definitely reached its use by date very quickly. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, normally it's just completely different every day. And I think that I, I like need that in my life. Um, even though it doesn't always make me, doesn't always make me happy or mentally well. <laughs> Ah. But it it makes me engaged and interested in life, I think. Mm. So, yeah, it's mm. it's really just so many different things. Like, um, I suppose for the last two or so years, a lot of it has been going on the road with the maze. So often the kind of pattern that we'll follow is we'll wake up wherever we've been staying that night, um, nice and late, you know, like 9 a.m., 10 a.m., <laughs> Kind nice. of gradually roll out before or you know like when you're meant to do that <laughs> <laughs> wow that, that was a sentence uh-huh. um and then we'll either kind of drive to the next town or i don't know get get on a flight or some kind of transport to get to the next place and do a sound check and then the concert and then find the next accommodation and check in or, or meet the hosts or whatever and get to sleep by about you know midnight or something like that so that's kind of the tour rhythm. Mm. And then when I'm at home, I'm normally trying to cram in a lot of my own stuff. So um, organizing recording sessions or trying to book my own gigs and just trying to really cram it in. So that's a lot of admin, like wake up, mm. get on my laptop, you know, before I even eat breakfast and just like start doing things. And wow. I mean, I like I also crash hard. Like I have definitely many, many moments where I don't feel like I can do anything because I've crashed <laughs> completely. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, and then sometimes I'll do teaching. Like I'll, um, I, I also partly run a, I guess you call it a business called Tree Folk Music. And we, we were going to start running lots of workshops throughout 2020. And obviously that didn't that didn't go ahead, but that <sighs> mm. is something that I also do because I just love connecting with people in that way. Yeah. Does that answer the question? No, that's, that's, that's <laughs> a great answer to that question. You mentioned your, your sort of approach to this kind of thing is to be doing different things all the time and to be sort of, uh, and you mentioned, you know, working hard and, and then crashing. Like for you and, and your career moving forward, are you kind of hoping that it all sort of levels out? You find a groove Ooh. that you know, means that you can maybe do less on a day-by-day basis, but also like crash less as well. Is that the, the yeah. hope? I think what I would like is to still have the occasional thing that's a little bit stupid. Like one of my favorite tour anecdotes or memories is when I played a gig with The Maze in Ireland. We did our last show in Dublin. That finished at midnight. We got back to the hotel at 1 a.m. I slept until 3 a.m. Then I woke <laughs> up and packed up my cello ready for the flight. You like have to stuff it full of all of your um, nice soft clothes to kind of right. cozy it up. <laughs> and then we drove to the airport, I think by 5 a.m. I bought a series of flights for the next 24 hours. Then I arrived at the Melbourne airport. Someone picked me up from the airport and drove me to a music camp that I was teaching at for the next week. I got out of the car, tuned up my cello and ran into the Tudor concert and they were up to the last song and I got on stage and did my song, then went to sleep and then taught at the camp for for the next week. That's like, I Mm. love that. I mean, I obviously hate it at the time. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I I just need that kind of thing. But I think what I need to answer your question about going forwards, what Mm. I need is to then also program in like weeks where I can fall apart. Right. Sure. 
actually let the crash roll out in a, in a safe location, you know, like where I'm just at home and I can sleep all day, that kind of thing. Mm. Because what happened after that point was I did a month long tour. Oof. Right. Okay. And that didn't feel good. Yeah. No, no. And I, I think after that point, you know, I just kept going and going and going. And until we got to March, April, where I basically wanted to quit music because mm. it, it had just gotten so bad. And I was mm. driving. I did another tour in, in February and March and I was driving on the highways and I could feel my eyes closing without me kind of knowing mm. until they were already like shut for about a second and a half. And I was like, holy crap. I'm on a highway. Mm. Yeah. Mm. This isn't good. I can't keep my eyes open, but I have to get to the next gig. This is such a bad place to be in. And I need to not have this. Sure, yeah. <laughs> the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I might kill someone. Mm. <laughs> Do you have like a team? Yeah. So I, I had a manager starting from about May last year up until May this year, I think. And he was actually based in America. And that was such an amazing moment because for the first time in my life, I had someone on my team who was kind of backing what I did, but it kind of didn't really work out. We were just sort of like, it, it's hard to make it work between different countries. And, um, you know, he was t tied up with so much stuff going on in his life. So we, we sort of stopped working together, but it, it was very amicable. Um, and then I started working with a Melbourne based manager called Amy Laidlaw and she's, um, incredibly hardworking. It's, um, it's intimidating sometimes. <laughs> um, and for this single release, we've been working with Penny and Logan, um, doing PR. So that's kind of the, the team right now. Yeah. It, it does make a difference. It, the funny thing is that you still end up doing the same amount of work but because you have more people taking on jobs then more gets done which is cool but I think there's a myth that once you get a manager and once you get a team you don't have to do certain things anymore you still have to do so many things <laughs> hopefully when you become a big rock star you can have someone driving you to places so you can fall asleep on the highway <laughs> yeah that's one thing you might need as a driver so that you can yeah get, get your sleep in yeah but i mean like your output even recently has been fantastic you have obviously the single that just came out the music video that just came out as well is incredible how did that all come together Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm so happy that it worked out well. Um, it's just been a big relief to release it and hear back from people that they really like it because you just never know, like when you're sort of setting out to create something like that and you're about to invest a lot of money into it, how, how do you know that that's going to be the right thing to do with your life? And so, yeah, it's such a big moment when you finally release it and see what it does. So that feels cool. And the yeah, the way that I think... Uh, the way that started was I got in touch with a filmmaker, Jax Oliver, and we'd worked together just doing some more simple live session videos a year ago. Um, and he's just so great to work with. He's one of those really easy, gentle people who he's got ideas and he's got solutions and um, he's always kind of got these things ticking over in his mind, but he's, he's really calm about it and really open to my ideas and so and I really need that in whoever I'm working with because I can be incredibly stubborn about what I want um, it has to be a certain way and so it's amazing when I find people to work with who have their own ideas and opinions and they'll they'll assert them and they'll you know drop it into the mix but they're 
happy also to kind of roll with what I want to do as well. It's kind of a nice dynamic. So yeah, I'm, I'm just so happy with the work he did on it and where we ended up with it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the results on that, like speak for themselves, you know, you can really amazing. tell that it's, it's yeah. that unified like vision for it, I guess you could say it, 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 yeah. it looks really like, it just all looks like it all came together really, really well. I think we spent a lot of time getting on the same page and I put together, um, it's quite funny to watch it. It's, um, like a premier pro mock-up of what I wanted it to look like. So I, I spent just days looking for stock images of, you know, like I found um, woman silhouette darkness, um, you know, and I pasted that in and then the song's playing underneath and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what I want there. And then, you know, photos of hands lit up with a spotlight kind of twisting around each other, chuck that in there. And yeah, so I just like built it all up in that way and then had all these like different crazy makeup styles just one after the other for the chorus. And it's really funny for me to, to watch that now and be like, wow, it really did like go from that into that, except with me and real videos. And yeah, I, I love that. That's, That's a really so cool good. way to do it. I've, um, yeah. I've done music videos for most stuff in the past, but like I've, mm -hmm. I've done really shitty sketches and like done like an animatic and was like this and then the filmmaker's like what is this <laughs> what is this so I cannot work with you. <laughs> yeah. i'll definitely actually use references in the future that's a really clever idea it's a good idea and it's Thank great you. it's great that you're working with someone who because you can definitely get directors who are very good and then are like you don't understand you're not a filmmaker this is what needs to happen for it to be good so it's really good that you were with someone who was like let's actually make what you want you know mm. like actually finding solutions mm. to get the result that you wanted rather than just kind of bending it into something that they can do. Um, I'm, I'm interested because, you know, uh, you've, you've brought the, the old song um, and sort of you, it's self-described from, from your email as an era of, of your secret songwriting in Sibelius in high school. How, how did we get from, from that sec those secret songs to, to where we are now? What was the, was there a pivot point? Was there a point where like you sort of thought to yourself, oh, actually I can, start to put this stuff out there. I can start to write my own lyrics. What was that experience like? Mm. Mm, that is a great question. Pretty significant pivot point for me, pivot point, um, was when I went on exchange to Estonia and I think just living away from home for a little while kind of helps you to start forming your own identity and to stop thinking about what you think your parents want you to be. I remember thinking oh, when I was really young, I had an auntie who said, oh, Monique, you should be a pop star one day. And I was like, oh, no, no, that just won't be possible because like dad doesn't like pop music. Um, and I remember thinking like, oh, I'd be so, I really want to do pop music. But, oh, but then if it got, you know, played on the radio and if dad heard it, then he'd, you know, I'd get in trouble. <laughs> so <laughs> I think just, you know, going out into the world and starting to think about who I am and what I want to be. That started the process and then getting into folk music, I think it was kind of like this bridge between two different genres because folk music is quite innocent. Like most people can deal with it, you know, whether they are into pop or classical music or jazz, like, you know, it's, it's all right. It's not offensive. Um, so when I started playing folk music, I think my dad probably felt really comfortable with that. bit unfamiliar, but definitely not too confronting for him and I think it's just really really gradually developed from traditional folk to sort of singer-songwriter folk 
to like more just general singer songwriter over to I guess it's more folk pop now and you know this is the first time that I've brought drums back into the mix so I think it's just been this really really gradual progression from classical through traditional folk all the way to where I am now um and I would also just say that the other major turning point was when I went for three months to America and had just this roller coaster of emotional experiences and there was a lot of kind of like romance drama that happened and I got home and there was just no way that I could avoid writing songs about that because I I just had to get it out so there's no choice (laughs) it was happening and one thing that you've sort of kept throughout, which is I, I think is really cool, is you trained with the cello and you've just sort of kept that persistently or, or at least for at least in, in this this new single and, and a lot of your, your music. Was that a conscious choice to keep the cello as such a central part of it? Or or is that just sort of, you know, you've you've learnt uh, so much about the cello and you just mm. it's a, become a part of who you are and your your sound? Yeah, I think it's fairly unconscious because it's just the path that I'm set in, I guess. Um, It's my instrument, so that's what I do. I mean, it was an instrument that I wanted to play from a really young age. And it was kind of in my family as well. My, My granddad was a violinist and he gave me a baby violin when I was born. And I used to always play it down like a cello. Um... Whereas my sisters, they would play theirs. We all had baby violins. My sisters would play theirs up like a proper violin. So there was something something going on there. Like I just always wanted to do it that way. Um, so cello has been, I, I mean, I yeah, I'm not sort of like evangelical about it, but, <laughs> but it's a good instrument. I think what I like about it is that because it has so much more in the way of restrictions for how you can write out songs that forces me to do things that maybe other people wouldn't instinctively do if they were writing on guitar or piano. Sometimes I'll practice my songs sitting at the piano and I'll kind of rearrange the cello parts for piano and I think wow if I if I had tried to write this song on this instrument on the piano there's no way I would have chosen these notes Um, and actually that's kind of a that's a really weird finger pattern to go with whereas on cello it's just so ergonomic like you're choosing these patterns that work really nicely because there's only so much time that you can like hold the strings down before your hands start aching so you have to kind of choose certain open strings that you're going to use to like give your hands a break and I if you were a cellist you would probably cotton on to the fact that in almost every song I write there is an open A Like there's never A flat or A sharp. There's always an open A because I need to be able to play that open string like once every 10 seconds so that I can give my hands a break. There you go. Eagle-eared listeners, listen out for that open A. Uh, It's a little Easter (laughs) egg there. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's cool though. I think it like contributes to, you definitely have like a sound from that, you know, that that, so maybe other artists you know, would have trouble finding what their specific sound is that that puts them uh, uh, outside of the crowd. But like, yeah, I think so. It sort of feeds into that so, so easily. It's great. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, And I think I just love that it blends with your voice so well, because I think humans love listening to 
vocal harmonies. It's like so, I think it's so psychological and this like real ancient need that we want to hear voices harmonizing. And so I think when you play like a harmony on the cello that works with your voice, it kind of gives the illusion that there's two voices singing together. So I think that's kind of another little like trick in the cello is that I can, I can like manufacture that. Have you found that your goals have changed since you started? You know, you've, you've, you've kind of achieved a lot of things that you probably are going for. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, that's like such a, such a simple question, but I don't think I've really thought about that much. I think the short answer would be yes, definitely. But I think that something I do is I always have it. I have like two different sets of goals. I kind of have this, <laughs> I have like a, an egotistical, stupidly high um, set of goals that I would just never admit to anyone. And then I have the, the realistic goals. So I think that when I started out, I guess when you say started out, do you mean like started my solo project? Yeah. I guess, yeah, like yeah. when when you were like, I'm actually going to make music the thing mm. that, that I do, the thing that I, you know, define myself as. So. Oh, oh, wow. I mean, that that is uh, that's totally a That's a big <laughs> word to put in your mouth that you define yourself by your music. If that's not the case, like, please correct me. But like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because the thing with that is that at one point my goal was to be the head of a department in a music, um, or at a, at a school, head of a music department. Um, and another goal was to be the principal cellist in the Australian Youth Orchestra. Um, so, I mean, that's just totally different careers and genres, but it's all music still. So I think, I think within like being a singer, like being a solo songwriter performer, um, those goals probably haven't really changed that much, but but gradually they seem to be like shifting more towards those like secret lofty goals, I guess. Cool, yeah, absolutely. I think that's it's. I think it's cool that you important sort to of, have those big goals. Uh, yeah, but like you know, it's it's cool that you sort of it's like um, shoot for the moon, and if you, yeah. you miss, you'll reach the stars or whatever it is. Yeah, it's great to sort right. of have. a a sculpted idea of what could be and if by luck this and this happens this is what how I want it to to go Mm. yeah and I think I think the other secret to it is like to being kind of satisfied at every at every step on the way is that you make really um you make these goals that like aren't lofty or kind of the newspaper worthy or anything but you you make goals more like okay if I have if I only have six people in my audience I want to make sure that they all feel like really comfortable and bonded and like we've kind of been through something together by the end of the show. That's my goal. And so, and that's how you deal with, cause every band has had a show like that. Um, <laughs> and if you can make those kind of, they're not even small goals. Like that's still a hard thing to achieve, I guess, but it's not something that you would tell um, to a journalist <laughs> to like show how good you are. So I, I love setting those kind of goals as well. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, for me, I, I've not sort of gone through the whole thing of, of gathering an audience or, or, or becoming sort of, you know, climbing the ranks of, of music and stuff, but it feels like having those smaller goals is something that really helps you, would help you kind of keep going, I assume. Like mm. I'm sure there are times where, You've had those gigs, those smaller six-person 
you know, one person or whatever gigs, having those goals of even if I'm here, I'm going to be doing my best. I'm going to be achieving this. Like, I assume that would kind of be good for the momentum. Like, were there times where you ever sort of thought, oh, I don't know if if, if this is going to go anywhere. I don't know if this is going to happen for me sort of thing. (laughs) Oh my God, that's the majority. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you definitely, I think something that has been, you know, just a, a little bit hard for me is going between my own solo shows where I'm really an emerging artist and I'm counting myself lucky if I get a room full of people like that, you know, I'm sort of thanking my lucky stars in that moment. And then to to playing a show with a much more established artist and comparing myself to them and, and our worth and getting a little bit confused about, well, okay, they have like thousands of people in this room. Does that mean that their music is like worth more like, or or maybe I'll get there one day or, you know, like just trying to let that settle inside yourself and take it just for what it is you know it's like that's where they're at and this is where I'm at and and just that like every every format of of a concert has value so yeah I think yeah I think I just fall into a a bit of a trap of being like very disparaging about my own music and career when I come from those situations and you mentioned like these these artists these renowned artists who you work who you've worked with and stuff like I'm sure they've had points in their career where they've kind mm-hmm. of sat in the exact same spot you know like it's it's such a interesting loop um, yes. of of artists and and musicians and stuff I think it's important to remember as well that like probably even like two years from now you know you've you've probably come leaps and bounds from where you were I think you it's mm. it's easy to compare yourself to others and get discouraged especially when you're playing like sold out arenas um Mm. but like Mm. you from you know you yourself have done great things you know i think it's important to remember that yeah yeah and i guess that comes back to those those little goals of like the kind of quality of what you're doing rather than the quantity of people or you know those kind of measurable things yeah right you used to write songs in secret and and not and not (laughs) sing and not write music like yeah. You know, and now you're putting your, your stuff out into the world. It's like, I think that sort of progress is what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. If, like, if I think if you focus too much on like, you know, bums and seats, tickets sold, I think that's definitely a way for success. But I think it's the, it's the small goals of like, I want to make a difference and I want these people to mm-hmm. have a good night. Like you mentioned, I think it that's the kind of stuff that gets you to that point. Because if you're in it for the numbers, then you're not going to have the passion to get yeah. through the times when you have like two audience members because you're going to yeah. be like, fuck this. But like, it seems I, like I have every faith in the world in you. And I know that <laughs> I'm a nobody that you've never met. But uh, like, I just, you know, it's it's interesting hearing someone who's so definitely going to like, you know, you're just going to be who you are. <laughs> and it's odd to hear you at this point, like, <laughs> You know, do you get what I'm saying? Having doubts? Do you, yeah. Is that what you mean? It's odd yeah. ha- hearing you having doubts when it's so clear that you're, you're going to be incredible and already are. That basically is what I was talking about with having those two separate sets of goals because part of you believes in yourself and believes that you can do these crazy things. Like, you know, I, I really want to orchestrate some of my songs for like a full 
symphony orchestra and play with them. I would love to play with the symphony orchestra at the Sydney Opera House and I'm playing my songs and they're like accompanying me and I've written all the parts and it's being taken seriously. That would be amazing. And part of me believes that that is absolutely possible, which is just crazy to think about. And then part of me thinks like, absolutely no way and that's it's just all happening at once so I I guess that's that's kind of what I was talking about there yeah we'll get that clip when you're doing like the uh, Sydney Opera House like tour we'll get that (laughs) one clip and just like play it out uh, in front of the audience (laughs) I definitely believe that's gonna happen (laughs) no it's kind of like when you when you have a friend who starts a cult where you um manifest things into the secret yeah yeah that one power of of i guess you know positive thinking has a lot of power it's true it's, it's true yeah it's not just a cult thing it's real mm. <laughs> if, you, if you act like someone who's going to do a thing then you end up doing the things that make you do the thing that makes the thing happen That's what right. the fuck did i just say <laughs> <laughs> what was that things. ramblings yeah you said yeah. wisdom yeah. some true wisdom <laughs> here tonight i i think it's very clear from talking to you that you're someone who has really big dreams and you work mm. ex- ex- excessively hard. I was going to say eccentri- eccentrically and then excessively. <laughs> and then excessively you said sex. I know, it was the worst thing to say. No, no why do happened. I do this? I'm the worst. You work <laughs> excessively hard on mm. things to the point where you're falling asleep on the highway. Um, <laughs> oh God. And I, I think it's inevitable that you're going to mm. do these massive, incredible things. And I think that, I think you're a great role model for musicians <laughs> listening who are like, you know, can I just bumble my way to music? And it's like, no, you got to work. And, <laughs> and I, I think it's it's great. And yeah, you're definitely going to mm. do all the amazing things that you're already doing. And you're going to work with the symphony orchestra and it's going to be amazing. And I'm sorry oh, that I said great. sex Thanks that time earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of said things that you're doing is your your album that's coming out that you're, you're recording. Mm. Uh, it's very exciting. Um, How's, what's the process of that been? Is this the first time you're recording like a full length album? Yeah, it started off at the Banff Centre for Arts in January, 2019. And I did a residency there. And part of the residency was just trying to really bulk out the songs on the album. I kind of set myself a challenge to write a new song every day for as long as I could, just so that I had a lot more to pick from so that it could be a really strong album. And um, I think I've, I think I've probably used about four or five songs from that period of songwriting. Or I wrote a few more just after the residency that kind of felt linked to it. Um, and then the other thing I did with the re- <laughs> with the residency was to start arranging those songs. Um, and I, you know, I always knew that what I wanted to do with this album was to just explode the ideas that I had in my mind out into the canvas of the songs um, and kind of try to set no boundaries on it. Um, and it's it's interesting that it's ended up kind of falling naturally into a set of boundaries in terms of instrumentation. Um, like probably the most common instrumentation on the album is strings, harp, drums, cello and voice, of course maybe a tiny bit of trumpet that's kind of like that seems like it's the sweet spot that's how much I need in it to get all of those ideas out um 
so yeah, I really got the ball rolling with a lot of them back then. And then I was on tour with Amaze for so much of that year, but I had it in my head that I, I really wanted to release my album by when was it like early this year or halfway through this year or something like that. Maybe actually, I think I was planning on releasing the album right now in September, 2020. And so, oh, yeah, God. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's why that year was so crazy because every single time I got home from tour, I would just smash it out in the studio to the, yeah, to the point, as we discussed, where I burnt out. Yeah, that was just, um, you know, working with a, a, an assortment of people in Brisbane, um, started off with one producer, then worked with some other people. And then, you know, throughout this year, I've been mostly working with, um, one engineer called Luke Woolett and I've I have reworked some of the songs over that time because it's just such a long time to be working on something you kind of inevitably listen back on something that you did it very early on and you've already changed as a person and you just need it to be different um, so we're, we're really close to finishing it now but um, there are just a couple of songs that aren't sitting right and I can't figure out what it is and I, I know I need to get the album wrapped up really soon, but with well, it's one song in particular that I know I just need to give it a bit more time because something is going to spring into my mind at some point and then once it's there, I'll lock it in and I'll get it finished and it's going to feel right and I'm just... I'm, I'm trying the manifestation thing right now, you know. I'm just I'm saying that it's going to happen that way because, you know, that, that means it will. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And also, who's putting a deadline on it, you know? Like, it'll, right. it'll be done when it's done, you know? you you got work to do on it. Yeah. <laughs> I do love... Uh, yeah. I love that your approach is very much that the songs, you know, more than just having to be done and ready or whatever, they have to kind of be right. They have to be mm. right for the album. I think that's a, a really good way to, to look at it. When you were picking out the songs that you wanted to put on it, um, was there a, a an overarching theme that you kind of said, oh these songs should all be on this this album because it is this uh, theme or this vibe? Or what was that selection process like? I mean, really the theme was just what are the best songs? <laughs> so I, it wasn't really a concept album that followed a narrative kind of theme or anything. It was really like this is my debut album. I need it to be – well, I need it to kind of cover a few different bases of like who I am as a musician or who I am as a singer-songwriter. Um, and I felt that the songs that I picked showed or, or like could take you through that kind of journey. So they don't really relate to each other seamlessly in terms of what the songs are about, but, um, yeah, they kind of paint this overall picture. And I think there were, there were lots of different kind of musical landscapes to get into with each song. Like one of the songs is fully strings like that that's the only instrument that I used and it's it's almost a little bit like chamber music-y a little bit more classical or folk but with these more pop vocals over the top and then another song is almost completely vocals and it's it's like this choir of Monique's in the background um if you know the soundtrack for I think it's Harry Potter 6 Oh, okay. It's a little bit inspired by <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> there's, there, there's this really beautiful theme that recurs and the, there's like some, you know, that like British 
church choir sound. Um, very like ethereal and angelic and it's these boys with incredibly high voices and it's a little bit weird. Um, that was the sound I was going for for this song. So you've got that and then you've got the, the song that I just released which is just so different to that. So yeah, that that's kind of what's going on with this album. It's all these different musical worlds that you kind of walk through that are like, this is Monique. How many tracks? Oh, how many tracks? Ooh. Ooh. The big question. There are ten. <gasps> That's a good number. We got the scoop. Exclusive. Ten songs. <laughs> the episode goes up today. Um, so, uh, well, yeah. by our watch, oh, we're 50 minutes in. Shall mm. we begin the, the well, yes. preamble ending? As I was going to say, you sort of mentioned the recent single that came out from this album, uh, which you've also kind of brought for us, for us to listen to at the end here, mm. uh, which is very exciting. It's called It Works. But... Um, Sorry, Alex, you had stuff to, to ask beforehand that you were... I do, I do have my, uh, my closed down ending questions. I actually have... Let's do it. I have a lot. If you, if you want to do a real quick fire question answer... Okay. Here we go, rapid fire. Let's do it. All right. Uh, favorite gig of all time. Boom. Ooh. Oh, um, actually, Kate Milhagi, Eurovision, Gold Coast, Australia Decides. Heck yeah, that's Hell awesome. Yes. Don't have to name any venues, but least favorite gig of all time. <sighs> I, I, I get rid of them from my memory. I don't know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I good, just good. forget that they ever happened. Good. Uh, do you think you've had your big break? And if so, what is it? Ooh. No. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't think there is such a thing. Mm. Are there unexpected challenges in this line of work? <laughs> 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 that sounds like yes. yes. <laughs> the other one is kind of a bit. Your first EP came out in 2017 and you seem to have exploded to stardom! Exclamation mark. How did you do it? And I don't think that's a that's a quick question to answer. <laughs> well, um, I, I worked at it. Hell yeah. It's a good answer. I, I was stubborn. Mm. It's <laughs> <laughs> the way to be. Uh, and my final question, which uh, I usually give a little bit more time to, because I think it's a, a good question for our listeners who are trying to be go, better musicians. Uh, what do you wish someone had told you when you started out? I don't actually wish anyone had told me anything because I am a real sort of self-directed, very, very stubborn person. I don't take advice on easily. So I think that I usually have to learn lessons myself and I have to make big, big mistakes to get to the right place eventually. Yeah. Make your own mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> to get a yeah, nugget just, out of that, I don't know. Yeah, um, maybe something about giving yourself permission to do certain things, maybe. Hmm. Mm. Nice. That's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, all I've written about it works is it slaps, uh, <laughs> and then um, I guess that's all my my end of the show questions. Uh, nice. James, do you want you're better at social interactions than me. It's <laughs> probably better if you. No, take man, you're Mr. Social. You're all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, Monique, where can people? find you if they want to listen to your music um i think that the best place to kind of follow along what i do is probably instagram um i'm my handle is monique claire music and c-l-a-r-e instead of the one with the i and um the single that i just released is out on i mean all the streaming platforms but you know chuck it'll listen on spotify um and the video, you should watch the video. I think it's good. I'm really happy with it. So that's up on YouTube. Um, and I also have a, I have a mailing list and I have heard that it's good. So, you know, I, some people recommend it. 
<laughs> Where can I find your Just mailing list? If you go to my website, it's there sort of at the bottom of the homepage. Very good. Cool. I'll check it out. Awesome. Wow. Uh, Alex, you're also a musician. Where can people find you? Yeah, if you didn't cringe so hard that you fucking died when I randomly said sex in this middle of the podcast, <laughs> uh, I'm a musician called Your Man Alex Smith, uh, and I'm on Bandcamp, Spotify, and iTunes. And uh, I'm just going to be thinking about that for the rest of my day. Uh, James, oh. do you have anything that you want to plug? Yeah, I'm going to say sex, but I'm going to mean it. <laughs> I'm going to mean saying it. Good. Uh, no, uh, I... Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll plug the, the network. Uh, that's not Canon Productions. Uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere. And, and there's plenty of other shows on the network that you can find all around. So check them out. We're going to be listening to It Works, the latest single from Monique's upcoming album. Check out the music yeah. video because it's great. Check out the music video because it's Ooh. great. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 